0: because it's an opportunity for me to, to speak to mothers on Mother's Day and speak to the fathers on Father's Day. And so this morning, I want to speak to the fathers about rebuilding, the need to rebuild. Scripture is found in the book of Nehemiah, and I'll get to that in a few moments. But I want to, by way of introduction, this really sets the stage for my message to fathers this morning, with some quotes that I want to share with you. Winston Churchill said, to improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. He also said, and I love this one, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. That's a good one, isn't it? You've all heard this before. Let me say it again. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And we all remember Jill Taylor from Home Improvement. And she says this to Tim. She says, Tim, I'm picturing what it's like every time you renovate. She said, there's a big hole in the wall and there's two paramedics." Did you love that one too? Red green. If it ain't broke, then you're not trying hard enough. He said, "If if at first you don't succeed, of course, use more duct tape. And then he says, I'm a man, I can change if I have to, I guess. Let me also preface what I'm going to say this morning by saying this. Yesterday I was listening to a country and western station. The the DJ said this to its listeners, tomorrow is Father's Day and we're trying hard to find a good positive Father's Day song and we can't find one. That's pretty bad, isn't it? It's all about drinking, leaving, running, trains, trucks, half tons. But they said, we're still trying uh, to find a positive Father's Day song. My text is found in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. This is about rebuilding. Nehemiah said to a group of people, much maybe like this, people listening to what he's saying, and he says these words to this group. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no more longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God, upon me and what the king had said to me they replied let us start rebuilding what a great response we need to build and they said okay let's start rebuilding so they began this good work and then we read about the opposition that came their way as well let us start rebuilding god i pray for fathers this morning and i pray for the precious holy spirit to continue to move in our service I pray for the presence of God to to touch and to quicken our hearts and minds. And I pray for fathers as we leave the sanctuary this morning that we'd never again be the same and we'd be determined to say, if there's rebuilding to be done, we want to be rebuilders. May we reply just as they said to Nehemiah, okay, Nehemiah, let's go and let's start rebuilding. Let's do what has to be done, for there's a job that must be taken care of. Amen. Paul writes to 1 Timothy, in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, he writes to encourage Timothy. And he says in chapter 1, verse 2, to Timothy, and he says these words, My dear son. Timothy, my dear son. Now, Paul was not his father. I don't know if you've ever read that and camped on that and stopped for for a minute to digest and think that through, but Paul was not his father. Could it be that Timothy desperately needed a father figure to spiritually nurture him? And so maybe Paul says, I can try to fill that spot, that spiritual void, and I'll try to fill that as best I can. And so he says, you're like my son. Let me encourage you in this spiritual sense. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, my true son in the faith. And so he considered Timothy a son in the faith, that he could spiritually nurture him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 5, he says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, who, which first lived in your grandmother and, and in your mother. And now, he says, I'm convinced it lives and resides within you. Now, I want you to notice this morning who's missing. Who's missing in that scripture? The father's missing. Timothy's father's not mentioned. Timothy's grandfather is not meant, mentioned in that scripture. I wonder where their influence were. All we know is about Timothy's father is that he was Greek. Some say he was a heathen Greek, but all I've read in the Bible is that he was of greek a Greek person. His father and grandfather were not mentioned. See the Bible says the first that the faith dwelt in his mother and his grandmother. And oftentimes, the faith faith first dwells in the ladies. I mentioned, I mentioned this on Mother's Day. And I mentioned it again this morning on Father's Day. That it's the ladies many times that respond to the gospel. It's the ladies that dig into the faith. It's the ladies that pray. It's the ladies that get behind ministries in the church. And hats off to the ladies. They're always there first. And sometimes they're dragging the fathers and dragging the husbands. Come on, let's get together. And if the truth be told, it's the ladies that bring the household together to worship and to serve the Lord. Many times the ladies take the first step forward. So Paul jumps into this father figure role and he speaks words of exhortation to Timothy. He says, Timothy, fan the flame. He says, Timothy, God did not give you the spirit of fear, but a, a, a spirit of power, of love. And self-discipline, he said, don't be ashamed to share the good news of Jesus. And I wonder, as he shared these great spiritual words of exhortation to Timothy, I wonder if he thought in his mind, I wish my father could have said those words. I wish my father could have encouraged me in the faith. I wish it was my dad that took me to church and said, come on, son, let's go to church. I wish it was my dad that could have said, let's read the Bible together. Have you ever wished for words from your father that you never got? Have you ever wished, if only my dad could have said those words to me. If only he could have been there. There are many fathers today that wished, that have a wish list from their fathers. If only, if only, if only. And so they have this inward determination. I'm going to change the future from here on in. And so they might say, I'm going to rebuild. What was lost. But Paul jumps in here. Now I can't be certain, but chances are Timothy never did hear those words from his father. See, there's a hole in every boy and girl's life that their father, only their father, can fill. Listen to this. As soon as they heard the door open, the two young girls jumped up and they began yelling Daddy's home! Daddy's home! No longer quietly sitting with mummy, their heartbeats were now racing and their eyes widened, anticipating playtime with their father. Soon he was tossing them up and down. Oh, they squealed with laughter when he acted like a big bear. Oh, their mother sat by watching and with delight and amusement. And she was ready to calm things down if they happened to get out of control. Maybe some lamps could go flying but she's ready to step in. There was mom, there was dad, there was the family, there was the children, and there was the living room. What a great picture. What an awesome picture. And and it kind of tickles us on the inside. Yes, this is the family. Yes, this is what God had ordained. Yes, this is what God wants. As a young man growing up, young child, I always had this envisioned in my mind. That I want to grow up someday, and I, I want to find a young lady that'll have me, marry me, and I want to have some children. I want to raise them, and I want to get on the carpet in the living room, and wrestle with them, play with them. I want to speak into their lives, and I just remember praying, God, don't come. I know Jesus, you're going to come soon, and I know that the Revelation says, Behold, come quickly. But Lord, please don't come yet. But wait until I get married. Wait till I have children. I remember praying that, but those things, now he can come any time. Because I've accomplished those. Yes, I have more I want to accomplish, but I have stopped praying that. But some of you that are younger are saying, but I'm praying it now. Some of you younger teens. Or, but I want to get married. Some. I want to have children. You have your own prayers. I had my prayers. He answered my prayers so far. But now it's 2011. And I want you to know that there's an alarming erosion That is taking place. Like one that we've never seen before. This picture that I've just shared with you is in danger of disappearing completely. Fathers are vanishing. Fathers are missing in action. Fathers are walking out. Fathers are shrugging off their responsibilities. If you go on the internet and type in, where have all the fathers gone? You'll come up with 114 million results. I count them all. No. 114 million people want to know, where have all the fathers gone? People are writing articles, where have all the fathers gone? People know that there's an alarming state right now in our society. I read this recently. A generation ago, an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his or her father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to sobering. And so my text says, let us start rebuilding. This is not the time for a write-off or a titanic feeling to set in. Let her sink. Let her go down. But now is the time to rebuild. We must not write off the traditional family. We must not write off God's definition of marriage. We must not write off God's ideal home. We must not write off biblical fatherhood. Let the stats report, let the trends be documented, let the studies be made. But we as a church, we as a fellowship, we as a church family, we must never be content to follow the dangerous, slippery slopes and get caught up in them and go downhill ourselves. As a church of Jesus Christ, we must never be content to accept the present tainted condition of fatherhoods. And throw in the towel and say, okay, it's all over. There's nothing we can do. We're against a tidal wave. No. I believe that these are great days for the church. And whenever I think of big mountains and I think of tidal waves and think of going against the current, I always find myself thinking about David and Goliath. What if David would have said, he's too big. He'll knock me flat. It's a big tidal wave coming. I'll never go against him and be victorious, but... David said, impossibilities can happen. David said, things can be changed. Futures can be altered. And so he went up against that big giant, and the giant came down. And we have to look at this in our society, and as a church fellowship today, that impossibilities can happen. We can go against the tide. And we can stand up as a church and say, there's things that we can stand for, and pray for, and work for. We can rebuild the home that is presently under attack and is falling apart. I believe it's great days for the church. And I believe there can be great songs written about fathers. Instead of, can't find a positive song anywhere. Songs, new songs can be written. Now the word rebuild is a biblical action word. Ezra chapter 5 and verse 2 says, Then Zerubbabel set to work to rebuild the house of God. Isaiah 9 and verse 10, the bricks have fallen down, but we'll rebuild with dressed stone. Jeremiah 9 and verse 7, I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and will rebuild them. Amos 9 and verse 14 says, they will rebuild the ruined cities. It's a lovely, great action word. Now, here's an exciting miracle power phrase. Rebuild can turn to rebuilt. That's also a biblical word. Numbers 32, verse 38 says, They gave names to the cities they rebuilt. They did it. 1 Kings 9, verse 17 says, And Solomon rebuilt Gezer. 2 Chronicles 24, 13, They rebuilt the temple of God according to its original design. If you were to read through the book of Nehemiah, over and over again you'd read, they rebuilt, they rebuilt, they rebuilt. They rebuilt. You see, a commitment to rebuild in the present can result in being rebuilt in the future. In our family, I have a white grand caravan. And if you were to look in my glove box at the permit, the vehicle permit, here's the status of that white grand caravan. It's caravan. It says, rebuilt. It's a rebuilt model. Stamp right on there. What happened was, it was involved in an accident, Manitoba Public Insurance. They wrote it off. Why? Because in their estimation, it costs more to fix than it was worth. So we'll send it to the auction. It costs more to fix than it's worth. But I used to have a white grand caravan before this one. And I traded that white caravan off, and I should have kept it. And so when this came up at the auction, I said, it's worth a lot to me. It's worth something to me. And so I went there and it was purchased. And so in my garage, I hammered away. In my garage, I started rebuilding, taking doors off, hammering out metal, putting body fill in there, getting it ready for paint. I put money into it. I put effort into it. I put work into it. I put long hours. Why? Because it was worth it to me. Still today, I... Stand back and admire the work of my hands. Stand back and look at the end result. It is now rebuilt. And here's something else. Once you rebuild one, then you've got to take it for an integrity test. I love the word rebuilt and the word integrity. It's got to be tested. It's got to be looked at to make sure it's durable and strong and can get on the road and drive down the highway without causing another accident. Integrity. See, many have written off fathers. Many have just said, they're a write-off. We can't find them anywhere. They're gone. They've abandoned their role and failed. In fact, Judge Judy last week, I watched Judge Judy quite often because I just like her. Anyway, she said, there's no good fathers anywhere. You can't find one. There's no good men. My wife begs to differ. She'll tell you how good... It where is she? She's probably left. somewhere. No, she's there. My, my wife begs to differ. She said, I got one good man. I found him and I'm going to keep him. At least I think that anyways. Leave me in my own little world. Could it be that some ladies feel that men cost more to fix than they're worth? <sighs> Just like my van. Send them off to the auction. Get rid of them. No. Just give us 50 more chances. We promise we can rebuild our image. Okay, man, I've got to get moving on this. Here's what it'll take. If we want to move from... See, we have a need right now to rebuild. We know that in our society. There's a need to re, So this morning, if you want to commit to that, you say, I recognize and I see the need, and you want to get over to the rebuilt status. Here's what we find encouraging in the book of Nehemiah have okay, five things I want to share with you very quickly. Good advice. Number one, it's going to, what's it going to take to get to that rebuilt status? Number one, it's going to take leadership praying. The Bible says that men are the leaders. The Bible won't change. And so it's going to take leadership praying. See, in Nehemiah chapter 1, we read of the news reaching the ears of Nehemiah. He said, I hear that the state of Jerusalem is not good. I hear that its walls are burnt down. I hear that there's charge remains laying on. I hear it's blackened with soot. I hear the bad news. And what does he do? Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 4. We read this. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. I heard the news. I read the stats. I heard the reports. But now I'm going to pray. God, what do you want me to do about it? God, how can I fit into this? We've got to pray. It takes more than this morning hearing the stats, listening to the news, reading reports about where have all the fathers gone. But we've got to now take this bull by the horns as a father and say, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to commit to calling upon God. I'm going to get down upon my ears. I'm going to shout unto to God. I'm going to speak to God. I'm going to spend time in silent meditation. Where God can work on me. God can work on this character of mine. God can shave off the rough edges. God can purify my heart and life. God can do something in me because I've got to stand up and be different from the world. Stand up and be counted as someone that's going to follow Christ, follow His Word, and you've got to pray. Pray, 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 and pray some more. It's going to take leadership praying. Anything's going to happen. First thing we've got to do is pray, 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 pray. And I don't always mean stopping somewhere and getting upon your knees, driving down the street in your motor vehicle. Just call upon God, Lord, be with me this morning. Be with me today. Wherever and whenever, just pray. Second thing we learn here, if we're ever going to get to that rebuilt stage, Nehemiah, is that it's going to take making tough, tough, tough decisions. Nehemiah, He really had it made in the king's palace, his cup bearer, unless there was poison in the cup and he drank it. But he really had it. It was a great place for him to be. The news got to his ears, and he heard about the walls. He had a tough decision to make. Am I going to give this up and go down and work among the charred and blackened ruins of Jerusalem? It would have been so much easier to stay put, so much easier to... Live as he's been living. But if something was going to be rebuilt, if something was going to be changed and transformed, someone had to get their hands dirty. Someone had to lead the way. Someone had to provide some leadership. And it took some tough decisions. And Nehemiah is saying, okay, I'm in. Okay, God, I prayed. I sought your face. I heard your voice. Now, Lord, if you want me to make some tough decisions, I'm all in. And so this morning, let me say to men, Be a quitter, in the right sense. Be a quitter. A tough decision. The first thing I want to mention is a powerful thing. We've got to quit allowing our eyes to look where they should not be looking. As men, this is very, very dangerous for men. See, unbridled, unleashed, uncontrolled fleshly appetites destroys marriages. It destroys marriages, it destroys families, it destroys fa- a father's reputation in seconds. And then we, what happened was because your eyes got away with you. Your eyes began to look where they shouldn't be looking. And that drew you in. And that is what caused actions that destroyed reputation, destroyed character, destroyed marriages, destroyed families, destroyed integrity. In seconds It's the eyes It starts with the eyes We've got to be careful Why is it so difficult? It's so difficult because it's part of the old man Part of the old flesh that really it refuses to be slain once and forever We thought we would slayed it once at the No, no, you've got to slay it every day You've got to slay it sometimes hour by hour. You've got to bury the old man because he always wants to dig himself up. And get back up and get back on the throne. You've got to bury him. And that involves making tough decisions. I refuse to look that way. I refuse to let my eyes wander. I refuse. and I'm going to stand fast. And because I've prayed. And because I've read my Bible. Because I'm close to God. He's going to help me. Tough decisions. Here's... Another thing you got to be a quitter of. Quit looking at and thinking across the fence and thinking the grass is greener over there than it is on your side of the fence. It's not. It's not. Quit documenting the things that make your marriage not perfect. No one has a perfect marriage. This, I don't have a perfect marriage because I'm the one usually messes it up. No, there is no perfect marriage anywhere. Quit thinking there is. We just work hard at keeping our marriage and working at making our marriage better. But there's no perfect marriages. So sometimes we document, this is why my marriage is not good. We start going down that path. Quit doing that thing. I got some other quit things here for you as well. Quit documenting the things that... I already said that. Quit keeping score. That's a good one. Let that sit there. Quit making mountains of the molehills. Oh, I love this part in that video. This morning, I watched it last week a couple times. I loved. You know, the part I loved was when this milk got spilled. What do we do as men? I know. Listen, I struggle with those things too. What's going on here? Spilling milk? He just flipped his tube. And I know all the men said, "Wow, that's impressive." You know, that's something. Sometimes that we take life far too serious. I do. I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I'm working at it too. But I love that part because the tendency is to fly off the handle. How often have I ever did that, or you did that, when your child spilt milk at the table, just flipped yours over too? I've never done it. I flip mine over first, and then I get razzed. <laughs> oh, we just have to be a quitter. Quit l- looking for the faults in our children i got to say this one. Quit reading the newspaper when you should be listening. And all the ladies said amen to that one. Quit read. Someone said it this way. Men, be home when you're home. And sometimes we're home, but we're not there. We're not. We're miles away. And I'm speaking to myself, really, because my wife's going to give it to me afterwards. She said, you got to... I know that. I'm working on it. I'm working. I want to be a quitter in the right way. Okay, i got to move on. Number three. To move from the rebuild to the rebuilt status so we can look back and say, I've accomplished something. Number three, we need to have, and it'll take growing, deepening courage. This was not a cakewalk for Nehemiah. He had to stick his nose out there. Oh, he had to be vocal. He had to stand up for himself. He had to step up and step in against the current. He had to face pressures from the outside world. In fact, Nehemiah, in the first six chapters of that book, tells us that Nehemiah faced six huge, big opposition. Six forms of opposition. Grief, laughter, he was laughed at, anger. There was mocking, conflict, and lies. Those are the six forms of opposition that Nehemiah faced in trying to to get this wall surrounding Jerusalem rebuilt. It will not be a cakewalk. If your determination this morning as a father is, we're going to build into the future, it will not be a cakewalk. It will not be easy. I don't know where that phrase ever came from, cakewalk. It's going to take hard work. See, when you decide to stand up for biblical fatherhood, you'll face opposition, expect it. Nehemiah made enemies. You just after my text you keep reading on. But all these guys got in there and started ridiculing him, and it takes courage to stand up on the job for your wife and family when your other co-workers are talking down their wives and homes, and there's a whole group of them anti-family, anti-wife, anti-this, if You might be the lone ranger that stands in there and says, I refuse to do this. They're going to stand back and look at you. And they may laugh at you. They may say, get with the program. They may say, slide downhill with us. But it's going to take courage to stand up and say, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to build character in my life as a father and in fatherhood as a whole. I want to build this fatherhood up image. Number four, to move from the need to rebuild to the rebuilt stage, it takes constant work. Nehemiah never stopped until the job was done. He didn't just get partially the walls done and quit. He could have. The opposition could have got to him, but no, he kept on working. He kept on working until the job was done. My father kept on working until the job was done. My dad worked hard at fatherhood until he breathed his last breath. He never stopped working, working, working. Never stopped encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. Even when I'd call home, and he he struggled because he couldn't get his breath. He'd be encouraging me, exhorting me in the ministry. He didn't stop working until God called him home. See, the labor never stops. Why? Because the love never stops you ever stop working at your marriage, you're in trouble. If you ever stop working as a father to your children, you're in trouble. Something will begin to die. If you don't paddle, what you, what's going to happen is you're going to coast. You're going to drift and you will follow the current of the world. you got to paddle. you got to go against the stream. you got to get big oars in the water and and pull hard and work because you want to see your marriage stand the test and last, and you want to stand the test as a father to your children. Lastly, it's going to take clear vision. Nehemiah could see a day, a better day for himself and his nation. He said, it's, It can be a lot better than these charred remains, it can be a lot better than these ashes and soot that's and blackened your hands whenever you pick up a piece of timber. It's going to take a clear vision of something much, much better. We've got to, as fathers, have a clear vision of the future. We have to have this in our minds. I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a good legacy. And so Nehemiah, let's get to work. Let's get the job done. Let's get our hands dirty. Let's get to the end zone. So someday somebody can look back and say, someone worked hard at that. Someone put that wall up. Someone prepared the way for us. Somebody set the tone. Someone set up and said, we can do this. Our vision should be exactly that. I want to leave a legacy that I'm proud of. Proud of. My father left me a great model. He left me a great model and image to follow. And this morning, I may be speaking to some dads that did not have a father. That was a good role model for them. You start it right here. Start it from here on in. You be the change agent. My effectiveness as a husband and father are way more important to me than my effectiveness as a pastor and a preacher. It's not always that way with every pastor. And I also want to say this. That sometimes those are in a battle with each other because there's things that have to be done and you figure if I just do this if I just do that my home life and my family will take care of itself no that's not true
1: sometimes you gotta shut off
0: the church work because family husband fatherhood effectiveness there in the home is vital because if that falls apart, the ministry falls apart. What kind of legacy do you want to leave as a father? Let me close with this. Fathers, as you leave the sanctuary this morning between the two doors in the literature rack, there's this 30 day devotional entitled Father's Legacy. I want to encourage you as fathers to pick this up. I wasn't sure what I should do this year. I was trying to give you something practical, like a knife, work gloves, or socks. But this year, this came in the mail. This is based upon the Promise Keepers conference that took place this past March which I attended. Won't you start 30 days of renovation tomorrow morning? 30 days. I'm going to start rebuilding. 30 days to strengthen up some, some posts in your home. They're short, easy to read, and they'll encourage you as a father. Stand with me, please.